Hello, welcome to Locked on Sharks, your home for all things Team Teal. I am one half of the content boys, J.D. Young, and today we are joined by a special guest, Amon Smith, uh, Broad Street Hockey and uh, on the forecheck and many other places uh, to talk about his beloved Flyers as they lost uh, two to nothing, or they lost three to two to the Sharks thanks to a uh, Tomash Hurdle Natty Hattie. So, Amon, how's it going, buddy? It's it's going. I mean, <laughs> as as well as it could being a Flyers fan, this year has been a mess, to put it mildly. Uh, came in with high expectations and hopes, which I should know better by now to <laughs> not do that at this point. Uh, after many years of disappointment and mediocrity and prospects not panning out, but I, I figured at the very least the other night, uh, so my roommate uh, is a Sharks fan. We got him into the NHL uh, when I came to college. And I was like, pick a team. So he, he's like, the Sharks have a cool uniform and a cool logo, so I'm going to pick them. And he came in right as uh, the rebuild started, right as they <laughs> missed the playoffs for the first time in a while there. So he's he's seen nothing but bad Sharks teams. Although uh, this year's team, as we saw last night, well, they might not be too good, uh, at least have some entertaining players and some things that make them worth watching from time to time. Yeah, so we'll break down the Sharks 3-2 to two overtime win here in just a second. You're Locked on Sharks, your daily podcast on the San Jose Sharks. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, so the Sharks uh, won a 3-2 to two, uh, game over the Flyers, a game which uh, had no goals after the first two periods. And if you thought that was going to happen with Aiden Hill and Martin Jones in that, uh, you're a liar because, I mean, Martin Jones has played. Let's start with there. Martin Jones, who, you know, um, run out of town out of San Jose, you know, had an 896 save percentage his, his last three years in San Jose, bought out, and then the Flyers snatched him up. He's played pretty well for the Flyers this year, hasn't he? Yeah, Jones, it's it's so funny because a lot of the stuff that the Flyers did this offseason, so the the good stuff that they did, they they acquired Ryan Ellis for Nolan Patrick and Phil Myers, who are two players who Phil Myers for my other team, the Nashville Predators, my hometown team, has been a consistent, healthy scratch. And when he's played, he's not been very good. He's he's been one of the three worst defensemen on the team, uh, which when you're in the company of Ben Harper and Mark Borvietsky in terms of the underlying numbers you're putting up. That's not ideal. Uh, and Nolan Patrick played like three games and then went on the IR for Vegas, uh, which is pretty in line with the way that his career has gone so far. Um, so that's, that's cool. They acquired Cam Atkinson in a one for one with Jake Borchek. That's worked out for both teams. Actually uh, Atkinson not scoring quite as well as Borchek, but he's got a lot more goals and he's been a nice punchy player for the Flyers. But the move that everybody kind of universally panned was the decision to give Martin Jones a two-year contract to serve as the backup goalie behind Carter Hart. And I actually was kind of on board with this because uh, I know a lot of Sharks fans have been very down on Martin Jones for the oh, past he's been bad for, for the good Sharks. reason. Yeah. For good reason. He's yes. not been very good. But uh, kind of the point I made when he was coming in this offseason is I, I watched a lot of Sharks games this past year because, again, my roommate's a Sharks fan. And... 
when I watched them, I was like, okay, so Martin Jones, he'll give up the occasional goal where you're just like, oh my goodness, like what what is yeah. this guy doing? He looks broken. His lateral mobility just isn't there anymore. He's not getting any push. Uh, but also at the same time, I would watch games where I was like, man, Martin Jones is actually kind of stealing the game for the Sharks a little bit here. Now, those were far and few in between, but yeah. when he came in this year, I was I was sort of of the mind that, okay, if they lower his workload a lot and they get him back with, I'm blanking on the name, but basically the Flyers goalie coach is who he had for his prime years in San Jose. Uh, I, was, I was like, okay, maybe I can kind of see something working out here where with less of a workload and he's not playing 50 something games per season or 60 games per season as a 30 plus year old goalie, he can maybe rebound and figure it out. And at the beginning of the season, he was awesome. And Mm -hmm. he's not been quite as good recently, but I think that's more so because Carter Hart got the flu and then went on COVID reserve back to back. So he's missed a lot of time. Uh, and the Flyers sort of had to ride Jones for a couple of games because of that. But he's he's played admirably. I've really liked what I've seen from him. He's calm. He tracks the puck pretty well. He'll still give up the occasional goal where you're like, come on, man. But uh, he's he's been in the upper half of backup goalies in the league when you just looked at goal safe above average, goal safe above expectation, uh, especially with the 5v5 numbers. He's been pretty good. So, uh, And that's behind the Flyers defense where I think They're better than the Sharks defense was a couple years ago, just because when like Eric Carlson literally had one working leg and Brent Burns just stopped caring about playing defense. And this was pre Mario Ferraro. uh, It it was pretty hard to find a worse defense than the Sharks, but uh, the Flyers are not exactly a defensively stalwart team as we saw the other night. And I thought that Martin Jones has pretty consistently played well behind such a porous group there. Um, so yeah, we've, we've been pleased with his performance. I'd say Flyers fans on the whole, he's, he's far from the problem with this team so far this year. Yeah. And it's the Flyers, like you kind of, you know, mentioned too, where they've been having to deal with, you know, a lot of, I mean, most teams right now are, are dealing with COVID issues, but the Flyers have, they've kind of been going through their rough stretch recently, especially when they were on that West coast trip. I know they were, they were, just hammered with like guys and they're uh, being out and stuff. And it looks like they're starting to get some guys back here and there, but you know, it's good to see, I think sharks fans in general, like, you know, like we're thankful for Martin Jones for, you know, helping us get to a cup and, you know, unfortunately we didn't win it, but you know, after the last three years where it's just, like you said, those occasional goals where it's just like, Oh man, what are you doing? Those beach ball goals where it's just like, Lolly pops at him and there's nothing. He just kind of stands there and doesn't do anything where um, that's where you can only watch those for so many times. Uh, I know the Sharks defense has been bad the past couple of years, but they, and they've definitely improved this year, kind of more effort on the defensive um, structure. But, you know, I think, I think Sharks fans are pretty happy with uh, at least James Reimer and Aiden Hill has been kind of up and down with the Sharks. So, um, but you know what hasn't been up and down? Well, you know what isn't up and down? Built Bar. What would that be? <laughs> so <boy>. Built Bars. <laughs> yes. Built Bars are, it's New Year. So New Year means New, resolu- new Year's resolutions. If you're just about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Well, Built Bar makes it easier for you to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it. It doesn't taste like other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill. 
you just want to eat healthy, but it gets so boring. And then by like the third week in January, you're like, I want some chocolate, but it's just not worth it. That's where Built Bar comes in because you're covered in 100% chocolate. Each Built Bar has got 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. So here's the idea. Go to your secret stash at work, you know, at home or wherever you keep those, those late night snacks. Toss them out. Get some Bilt Bars. And if you don't know which Bilt Bar to get, that's where the, you can go and get their variety packs. So you can figure out what your favorite is. So head over to Bilt.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off at Bilt.com. Again, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Bilt.com. All right. Tomas Hurdle. Single-handedly, <laughs> him, him and Timo Meyer, it's like the gif of the guy carrying the horse. That was Tomas Hurdle, uh, that third period on Saturday night, where the Sharks were basically dead in the water for most of the game. I mean, especially without Nick Benino going on the COVID list, Logan Gator's on the COVID list. So our, our Lord Jasper Weatherby playing 2C, um, you know, like Scott Reedy playing 3C, and Nick Merkley, who we like. <laughs> You know, not like a murderer's row of centers that are right there, but Tomas Hurdle completing the hat trick uh, with in overtime with uh, Timo Meyer and Brent Burns uh, assisting on on all three goals. Like Tomas, he's at twenty goals so far in thirty six games. Is just been a, an absolute monster since that uh, East Coast road trip where they, you know, he came home. He had Bob Bugner kind of sat him down and said, like, hey, you got to work on your attitude and make sure. And ever since then, the dude's literally been on fire. But the big question now is, like, I, I'm going to get your your opinion. Do the do you think it's, it's smart for the Sharks to trade him? I do. Um, and that's not a slight to Tomas Hurdle. Mm-hmm. I think it's more so that the the position the Sharks are in right now. So they their position just got a lot better with the Evander Kane. Yeah, that's like money in the couch. You find money in the couch right yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, they just got back, you know, seven million dollars or whatever he's getting paid. Uh just a lot of a lot of money for that contract. They had a couple albatrosses hanging around their neck. Now you're basically down to because the Eric Carlson contract suddenly looks palatable because he's yeah. playing great this season. Yeah. Uh, he's he's back to being maybe not you know primary Carlson because that's another. But level he's still player, like a first line D or first. Pair he's of he's a first yeah. pair defenseman, and he's he should be in my opinion squarely in the conversation for at the very least Norris finalists. Uh, yeah. Maybe as the third guy in that conversation because you've got guys like Roman Yossi and Kill McCarr who are just very lighting the league on fire. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, now you're basically down to because Jones is bought out. You have the buyout money hanging around from him. That's not as bad, I guess. Uh, Brent Burns, who has been, I mean, he, he still puts up points, but he's not playing he's not great defensively. Because, yeah, we've talked about he's this not himself about. anymore. And yeah. the bigger issue is Mark Edward Blastic, who has yeah. five or six years left at over six million a year. And uh, he's I think it's five actively and seven. He's yeah. actively terrible. So yes. that's, and that really hurts me as somebody who loves Flasic a lot uh, <laughs> as a sucker for defensive defensemen. So uh, I just don't think that plus Logan Couture, while he's still really productive right now, he's on the wrong side of 30 um, and he still has six years at 8 million a year on that contract. You c- there, there are two schools of thought here, which one is the Sharks are in a position where they just need to keep going all in 
as often as possible until they just run completely out of gas and totally bottom out. And by mm. that point, Burns and Vlasic are going to be off the roster and the Jones buyout is going to be pretty much gone at that point. I don't think then, that's the right school of thought, though. Yeah, because even with that thought, too, it's like you're going to have you're going to start getting some more support here, too. With their their 2020 draft class is going to be starting to make an impact. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll probably start to see Robbins and, uh, you know, Weisblatt and the and co like those guys start to make an impact here soon. You've got Eklund coming over who, you know, I think is going to be a superstar in the league, but you know, and it, it's, it's tough with those contracts cause it, you can't move them. Right. Um, yeah. or if you do, you have to, uh, you have to attach a major asset to the, to move those contracts. Um, you know, so if you're going to resign hurdle, at least like he's still a very productive player right now. And you can, you know, if you trade him, you're going to have to find somebody who can at least be that productive. Right. The, the problem here is aligning your contention window yeah. is what you have to think about because with the sharks, it's like, okay, so Tomas hurdle, 28 years old, the aging curve, he's starting to hit the point. I think it's, I can't remember what the, Tolsky article for age regression said it was written a while ago, so I don't even know if the data is totally accurate. He's all uh, anything over 24, they don't care. <laughs> uh, well, like, I think, I think it's like the physical prime of a player, yeah, it's like the 27, right 27. Yeah, so you're you're at that point right now. Tomas Hurdle is playing some of the best hockey of his career, yes, and he's playing alongside Timo Meyer, who is playing the best hockey of his career. He's on a hundred point pace right now. Uh, which I don't think that's going to hold, but he's he's playing like a top five to ten winger in hockey right now, which is unbelievable. So the Sharks have these pieces in place. They have Eric Carlson too, and now they have about six to seven million dollars in cap space that they might be able to flex to flesh out the bottom of the roster a little bit because that's where you're seeing their weakness. Yep, um, the lack of depth. Yep. But I don't think that they're necessarily going to be able to fix some of the intrinsic issues here, which is, okay, so they have one functioning goaltender in James Reimer, who is older and could yep. fall apart basically at any time. Aiden it Hill is. has not been an effective backup. Yep. Uh, Mario Ferraro has taken a giant step back this year. Kanishov has been missing. And when he comes back, you don't know whether or not he's going to produce kind of the same results that he did last year if he gets an increased role. Middleton's been a nice surprise, but I don't think anybody's expecting him to be keeping up this kind of form in the long term. And Eric Carlson's playing well right now, but he could just bottom out. His groin could. He's old. Yeah. Yep, he that could groin, break a leg again. Yep. It, it could happen. So there, there are so many variables here where you look at this team and you go, if like one major thing goes wrong, then. They're, they're already outside the playoffs looking in right now with Tomas Hurdle and Timo Meyer playing out of their minds. Mm-hmm. If they cool off a little bit and somebody gets hurt, then yes. we're back to talking about the second worst team in the Pacific Division. And the only reason they're not the worst is because the Kraken were designed by Ron Francis when he was like, you know, high out of his mind in Seattle. Uh, so... I don't think that Tomas Hurdle being re-signed and then bringing in, you know, Bordalo and Eklund and a couple of these other guys is necessarily what it takes to elevate the Sharks back to cup contending status. Now, they might become kind of what the Flyers are uh, or what the Flyers have been, rather. They're certainly not this right now, but a bubble playoff team that might mm-hmm. sneak in and you maybe win around. But uh, I think if you're 
Doug Wilson and Doug Wilson Jr. And you're thinking about, okay, I, for Doug Wilson, maybe you're like, I'm, I'm towards the tail end of my career. I want to win a Stanley Cup. But for Doug Wilson Jr., I think you're more looking in the long term of, I want to build this team the right way. I want to build them so that we can have another decade plus long span where we're just contending for the cup every single year. I have a couple players who I believe can be the centerpieces for that. And in Timo Meyer, uh, you have a guy who is right around the perfect age where, okay, you need three or four more years for the rebuild to fully take place. He can be a veteran and the way that I think his game is going to age probably ages a little bit better than Tomas Hurdles does. And with Meyer too, we've seen a little bit more of this level of game from a play driving perspective from him. Uh, for Hurdle, it's been a little bit more inconsistent. There have been some attitude issues with him too, I've heard. So at, at this moment, with the way that the trade deadline is going to look at the uh, kind of approach this season, I have a feeling there's not going to be a better center on the market than Tomas Hurdle. And nope. if there is, uh, that would really shock me. And you have teams that are looking at, okay, we have like a, a year or two more in serious contention before we really have to pay the piper for some of these younger players, yep. whatever, who are looking for extra scoring punch, extra center depth. Um, and this is this is really the year that I think they're going to be able to pursue a kind of guy like Hurdle, especially while he's still in a reasonable contract. He's only getting paid like six mil a year. So he's going to get paid probably something upwards of eight million and get term if the Sharks sign him. And you just have to question, is he really going to be the kind of hockey player you want him to be when the rest of the team is ready to contend? I don't think the answer to that is yes. So I think the smart decision for San Jose would be to trade him, collect assets, and then they've done a great job, in my opinion, for the past few years of drafting and really getting the most out of their picks. So you just got to trust that they're going to do a good job developing guys in the system and uh, turn those picks into something more than magic beans. Or you can trade them for a player who's younger too or a collection of assets. That's not out of the question either. I mean, Colorado could be a potential trading partner. They have plenty in the pipeline, a couple of really good collegiate players. Um and then you could see some of these teams that are desperate, like the Flyers, who really want an extra center, make a stupid decision <laughs> and acquire somebody that they really aren't in a position to acquire and give up some nice assets, like, for example, Cam York or Ronnie Adderd or a couple of these other players who are sort of knocking on the door of becoming quality NHLers. Uh, there are teams around the league that would be willing to pay a premium for Tomash Hurdle, and I don't know that the Sharks can really afford to keep him in a smart way unless they really are all on board with, we're going to take the money that Evander Kane, uh, having his contract voided, gives us, and we're just going to replenish the depth of the roster and go all in again with this core and see how well we can keep it all together. Um, and if we can contend for a playoff spot, but again, the Pacific is tough this year. Yep. Uh, and, and then you're going to, you're going to go into the first round and play. You're probably going to sneak in the last spot and then you're going to play Vegas or Colorado. The first or the round. flames who are good the, too. And well, for some reason they can beat the flames, but yeah, that's but for, true. Yeah. It's like, you're going to go in and just get curb stopped the first round. But before we continue, we got to take a quick break and pay some bills. So, um, 
BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as they continue their march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON to get started. For football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Yeah, to kind of wrap up the, the hurdle thing, I think if you ask me, like, depending on the day, I'm like, yeah, they should trade him. And then you're like, part of me is also like, but Tomas Hurdle's my favorite player to watch because he's really fun. And seeing not like seeing him in a different jersey than Teal um, would suck a lot. But again, I think if our whole offseason is get William Eklund a friend, that's that's the goal of the offseason is to get William Eklund a friend. And he would be a very, very popular commodity. And if one team isn't willing to pay what you want, then you just go to the next team because there's going to be plenty of teams lining up to try to acquire, you know, Tomas Hurdle. And especially if, you know, the Sharks would happily eat his half his salary. So you're getting a, an elite uh, center for $3 million. Yeah, I think a lot of teams would be happy to uh, to pay you that. So and pay whatever it takes if, you know, to win a cup. So um. Let's end this with let's do a little Flyers talk. So the Flyers, as you were kind of saying, you know, they're they've been kind of that bubble team. I know they're they're a little bit down right now, but they should be starting to get some guys back here. What do you kind of see the Flyers the rest of their season going? I'm gonna be honest, I don't think they're turning it around. Um, yeah, and that that might just be the pessimist in me after seeing the same exact pattern so many times. It's been like eight or nine years of this now. But they're uh, always the if they miss the playoffs one year, they make the playoffs the next year. Yeah, so this is supposed year. to be this is supposed to be a playoff year. But I I think we're coming to a hard realization right now as a Flyers fan base that Ron Hextall, the premise of the entire seven year rebuild period that Flyers fans suffered through was Ron Hextall is an excellent drafter. Even though they're not picking high in the draft, he's getting the most out of these picks. Mm -hmm. And the Flyers are doing a good job developing these guys so that when they hit the NHL, they're going to have a really solid drafted core that can propel them to the next level and surround Giroux, Voracek, Simmons, and uh, Sean Couturier and Braden Shen was the original idea as they sort of age. So that didn't work. Part of the reason was because I, I just don't think that a half in half out rebuild ever really fully works unless your drafting is excellent. Yeah. Um, and now the sharks are sort of doing that right now. So to draw a parallel there, they, they haven't really been able to fully bottom out just because they can't really get rid of some of the contracts that they have. And but, the contracts they have, they're the players. I mean, they've declined, but they're just too good. Right. Like if you're playing Logan Couture and Brent Burns and Eric Carlson every night, like, they're going to win games, you know, and like, yeah. So that's just, that's kind of the spot that they're at. Yeah. They're not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that trio like Brent Burns, Brent Burns hasn't really played well for a few years now. He scores, but he doesn't, he gives no, up know, a lot too. We know what Brent Burns. Defense, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, and like Eric Carlson has been a mess too, but now like right now, Eric Carlson yeah. and Logan Couture for sure are winning some games for the sharks and Logan Couture, this entire stretch has been, he's, he's been a good player. So uh, the flyers sort of half in half outed with the rebuild. And in 
doing so wasted the primes of a couple of really excellent NHL players in Claude Giroux and Jake Voracek. And then also just completely wasted Wayne Simmons, who, I mean, he played a style where you knew he was going to have a shorter window of productivity than these other guys. But it was just really sad that the Flyers never successfully built anything around him. So what they really probably should have done at the outset of this rebuild was take a hard look in the mirror and say, okay, are we actually going to be able to put the assets together in the way that we want to build this team fast enough to have Giroux, Simmons, Voracek, Shen, and Couturier all be good, youngish, productive players? Because I think when they started out, they were looking at like, Giroux is going to be 30 flat or 29 or 28 by the time this is finished, right? This is going to be a three or four year project. And it ended up being seven. So, and it's still kind of going on. Um, the The hard lesson has been, they haven't gotten enough talent out of those drafts. Travis Konechny is a fine second line player. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a good top six wing. That's not going to transform the look of the franchise. Joel Farabee, he might turn into something better than what he is right now, but right now he's a good top six wing. And that's fine. But that's, again, not something that puts you over the top. Claude Giroux is still the team's best player right now. Um, now, Sean Couturier usually has been, but he's been playing through a lot of injuries. And that's an additional concern. He just signed a new contract for eight years, getting paid a whole lot of money. Now, I, I think he's worth it because he plays a style where you look at him and you go, okay, this guy is going to age exceptionally well because even if he yeah. won't be able to skate as well or have some of those physical attributes, he's he so still smart. Play defense and yeah, like he's yeah, he'll be an effective bottom six player at worst and an overpaid one, but yep. a guy where you give the captaincy to him to hand off from Giroux and he does all the little things right, etc. Yep. But they they just haven't gotten enough. Ivan Provorov, not a number one defenseman. Uh, Travis Sanheim does a lot of things well does a lot of things really poorly. Um, they they have all of these pieces that when they were coming up in the system, you hoped were going to be guys who were dynamic, who were going to drive pairs and lines. And instead, yeah. they've ended up being complementary pieces. So I don't think they're turning it around this year just because they've suffered some more injuries that are going to hamper them long term. I think Kevin Hayes looks like a shell of himself, and that's a real issue. Um, it's going to take him some time to come back from those core injuries and be himself again. And we don't know if he ever will be, uh, that's a hefty contract right there too. Ryan Ellis is missing and who the hell knows when he's going to be back by, uh, he's been out for forever. So these are all really big issues for this team, a team that already looks pretty lost right now, mm-hmm. um, even with some of the guys coming back from COVID and they looked lost earlier, they lost 10 games in a row. So I don't know that the flyers are going to turn it around this year. I think this is the year that they finally bottom out and bite the bullet and trade a couple guys at the deadline, including uh, I think Claude Giroux probably gone, which that was my question. So where it sucks. Yeah. So Claude Giroux. Uh, yeah. Uh, where, where's, where's Claude Giroux going? So there are a couple different places I could see him going. Um, obviously, Colorado makes sense, right? Yeah. But, the uh, the Lockton uh, Center guys have been banging the bring Claude home uh, drum. So <laughs> I, I'm I'm not seeing that. No, uh, I don't I don't think that the Wild are necessarily in the position to acquire him, and I don't know that he would really want to go there either. Uh, 
I don't know. Maybe it could it could happen, but uh, more so, I see him being a pursuit of a team where they're like, we are one piece away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I think Colorado falls within that purview. I think uh, you could you could argue a couple of teams would think themselves to fall under that sort of designation. I could see a hockey trade maybe happening for the Flyers with somebody like Toronto, uh, yeah. where they get a prospect back. Um, and maybe a salary dump or something in exchange for Giroux. Uh, there, there are a couple of different things that could happen on that end. But uh, I would love to see him go to Nashville, obviously, so that I can yeah. keep watching keep him watching play them, for yeah. a team that I root for. Uh, that would be really nice. Um, but I, I don't know that the Predators really see themselves going after a guy like him either. Uh, it's it's interesting, the trade market for uh, Claude Giroux, what that could potentially look like. I think the more interesting one, though, is that uh, there's been a lot of smoke around Ivan Provorov lately, hmm. and that's something where I don't think he's a number one defenseman. I know a lot of people who are smart uh, hockey people who don't think he's a number one defenseman, but there are folks around the league who do think he is, and he's still pretty young. He's on a yeah. reasonable deal. He has shooting talent. He's pretty decent fundamentally at most aspects of the game. Uh, He's a guy where coaches probably like him because they see he plays a ton of minutes and he doesn't visibly screw things up all that often, uh, which he doesn't do things all that positively either, but coaches more look for mistakes, right? Yeah. So I think he could go for a really high price, and I have a feeling that he's going to actually end up being the bigger story coming out of Philly and he might start a real landslide of trades. The thing that hasn't gotten talked about yet is Sean Couturier potentially getting traded. Mm. I don't know that that's happening because of that contract term and the fact that they just gave it to him. But at the same time, if you're about to kick off a whole rebuild uh, and burn the team sort of to the ground, down to the studs, and just keep a couple of young guys and bring in a new coach, try to restructure everything, new GM, whatever... I think trading Couturier probably makes some sense just because you can keep him, but you could get back some really incredible assets for him too. He's a number one center. He's, he's like Ryan O'Reilly. If the Sabres could actually get value out of Ryan (laughs) O'Reilly and he he Uh, won't go publicly saying I've lost my love for the game. (laughs) Yeah. Poor, poor Sabres. Um, yeah, that's going to do it. I think the the Flyers and Sharks kind of very similar positions right now. Sadly, <laughs> it's you know, and it's I think they're they're you know, like you kind of said with the Flyers, they they try to kind of do the the retool, but they just not able to find that game breaking talent, you know. And it's like William Eklund, like William Eklund, hopefully. So William Eklund and William Eklund's friend coming uh, draft twenty twenty two. Brad so. Lambert. Uh, that's. <laughs> We don't want to. Yeah, that's that's. Yeah, we're going to start our. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to be starting our draft coverage next week. We do have uh, Will Scouch lined up for next week to kind of give us an overview. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Our good buddy Scouch. Um, Amon, thank you for coming on. Uh, where can the people find you? And please rub it in Brian's face that you made it on to Lockdown Sharks before him, because I'm sure he will enjoy that. Oh, for sure. Uh, Brian Baston, for those who don't know, has been begging to come on this show for Pleading. a while. Yeah, and I have somehow beaten him to the punch. You can find me at Jin and Yusi 
uh that's Jin and like the song and then you see like you see saros aka the best goaltender in the national hockey league <laughs> or at the very least the most entertaining to watch uh you can also find me at brushtreehockey.com and on forecheck.com as well as collegeandmagnolia.com where i cover the auburn tigers club hockey team of which i am the ceo uh so i i write a little bit about them and club hockey and the acha and collegiate hockey federation which is something that i know a lot of people don't know a ton about so it's a pretty interesting thing uh there are a lot of guys who don't play juniors or go d1 so that's where they all most of uh, the time end up going and it's it's cool to read about some of those stories and the stuff that they go through so check all that stuff out um and yeah that's pretty much it for me and of course you can find us um, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Locked On Sharks, where uh, we are forever online boys, and we'll see whatever uh, your messages are. Um, you can also listen to us, of course, on wherever you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify, wherever you're listening to us right now. Um, you can also subscribe to us on YouTube. We've hit 500 subscribers. The March to 1,000 begins now, so we can start getting some of that sweet, sweet YouTube money. Um, you can follow me at my fryhole. Kyle is at Kyle Demetrius, and Thank you guys for making us your first listen. Um, go check out Locked on Bets if you want to go make some money with the NFL playoffs starting or you need to go pay off all those uh, Christmas debts. Locked on Bets has got you covered for that. Go make some money. And we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, Shang Pang of San Jose Hockey Now will be joining us and we'll be kind of talking about uh, the big story coming out of the weekend, of course. So, um, And we'll catch you guys tomorrow.